thank you for having me. It's uh, great to be here, and um, I hope I can bring some good news uh, for dry bulk and, and oil tanker shipping. So uh, the main takeaways is that a prolonged period of underinvestment could lead, uh, we believe that it could lead this decade to be one of the best, uh, best ones in a long time. Uh, for dry bulk, we see strong fundamentals, a record low order book, and further upside ahead uh, for oil tankers. We see improving fundamentals. Um, uh, there as well, the order book is record low, and we believe we could see our oil tanker share index up by around 86% by the year end uh, of 2024. So I'm just going to jump straight into it, I guess. Uh, this chart shows uh, new build contracting um, from uh, the year 2000 until today in US dollar billion uh, adjusted for inflation. So you can see that uh, since 2016, I guess around here, you have a sustained period of underinvestment in, in dry, bulker, dry bulkers and uh, oil tankers. So this, uh, this includes all, all vessels in the fleet above the, uh, the thresholds I've put up here. Um, and also you can see that the boom in container LNG shipping has caused a massive uptick in, in uh, new build contracting for these two segments the last couple of years. Um, so there are many um, theories to why we don't order or uh, why where firms don't own their ships anymore. Some, some say it's uh, because new building prices are too high. Uh, but actually, I'm not so sure that's, that's really the case. Uh, because we have, um, again, uh, adjusted for inflation, so you can see the blue line, which is uh, new build prices for VLCCs um, for the last 25 years or so. Uh, we are here now, and that's close to an all-time low. Here, uh, a couple of years ago, was the all-time low. Uh, so, of course, prices for steel is up, and other costs are up associated with supply chain disruptions and, and stuff like that. You can also see that the five-year-old values are close to an all-time low, adjusted for inflation. I, I believe one, uh, one a larger reason uh, why there is no uh, ordering is uh, technical, technological risk. Um, okay, uh, it was there. Um, there are simply no viable green fuel options for deep sea shipping at the moment. Uh, LNG uh, is of course better in CO2 emissions, but it has a worse methane slip, uh, whereas green ammonia is years away from being commercially ready. Now, even if you wanted to contract uh, new builds, uh, the problem is that uh, yard space is uh, very constrained. So this is a bit of a technical chart, so maybe bear with me. Uh, here I have uh, uh, taken all the vessels again, uh, which above these uh, thresholds, and calculated their compensated gross tonnage. Then I've aggregated all the vessels in the world fleet, and I've sorted it by years for delivery. And this line shows the median. Um, so this, this tells us something about yard capacity and how much they have filled up their, their order books and delivery schedules year for year. 
So we see that in 2022, they had a bit spare capacity for deliveries, but 2023 looks to be well sold out, and 2024 appears to be close to sold out. Uh, now, if I, I deep dive into the data, I could find that uh, where there are limit, appears to be limited capacity is mainly at Japanese yards. Um, I, I could sort it by looking at uh, builders of VLCCs for the, for the period, um, and they have no space left. Same for cape size or oil tankers. So the only, the only yards that have capacity, uh, if I calculate this method, is uh, builders of dry bulks in the period. And I can find space for around 75 Panamax equivalents in 2024. And that's it. So of course, this is not a perfect method, but uh, it, it uh, gives us an indication that it's very constrained capacity on the supply side uh, in general. Uh, now I'd like to move on to the dry bulk uh, demand side. So um, we believe that, um, that uh, there's uh, seasonal tailwinds ahead. China has been uh, an issue, particularly for larger vessels, so far this year. I believe um, um, the steel production was down 5% approximately year over year for the first quarter. The same was Brazilian iron ore exports was down 10% for the first quarter year over year. But uh, the guidance for GDP growth, uh, or China's GDP growth target, remains 5.5% for the year. They haven't adjusted it down. And the Vale's production guidance and export guidance re also remains uh, the same. So if, if we're going to see um, them reach these trajectories, uh, 3Q and 4Q of this year could be very tight. Um, we also looked at... Um, the conflict in the Russia and Ukraine, and believe that for coal, it could be a positive effect this year, whereas for grains, it could be a negative effect because we believe a lot, a lot of the lost um, exports from Ukraine will, will be lost demand because we don't really see anyone producing all that, uh, that grains as elsewhere. So adding it all up, um, yeah, also, the, as I mentioned, the order book is record low. I believe it's around 6.4%, 6.3% at the moment, uh, relative to the fleet. And we have records going back to 1996, and this is the lowest on record. So if I add this up and plug these inputs into my uh, model, I get um, high or hovering around 90% utilization for the next three years. And this is uh, using quite conservative inputs for delivery and, and scrapping. I believe I have allowed for 34 million deadweight tons uh, of dry bulk deliveries in 2024. With, um, on, at this point, it's only ordered 12 million. Um, so the delta here of 2022 million, that equates to roughly 300 Panamax equivalents. And as I said earlier, I see space for 75. I've also only allowed for, I think it's maybe somewhere between 12 and 15 million deadweight tons of scrapping in total throughout 2024. Um, and we also have in the coming period, we, we have the, the hard deadline for ballast water treatment systems in 2024, where a lot of ships need to take 
uh, investments, a lot of older tonnage, the same with the EEXI, and uh, even worse with the CII. So um, if we look at the relation between, um, yeah, so uh, these utilization levels, I uh, think second half of this, uh, or the fourth, three, third, fourth quarter of 2023, uh, we believe we can see uh, five-year-old cape size values in the high 50s. And that would, um, uh, if you look at the historical relationship between uh, five-year-old values and uh, dry bulk share indexes, which have a very high correlation, that could imply um, a growth in our share index by 38% uh, over the next year or so. Okay, so uh, let's move on to uh, the oil tanker segment. Um, EIA uh, is projecting um, that demand in energy growth across this decade will be around 104 quadrillion British terminal units. So in order to, and most, the majority of that growth will happen in um, China, India and developing Asian economies. Um, to support that growth, I believe it's around 65% of the growth. To support uh, that growth, the world still needs oil and gas. Uh, the green shift, as you can see here, is happening. They're adding every year. But uh, the, the, the increase in crude and liquids production and demand will also increase across the decade. Again, most of it is driven by uh, non-OSD Asia, where we expect, or AIA projects, uh, that they will demand, have an increase in demand of approximately 10 million barrels per day over the next decade. The only problem is uh, they won't, won't uh, increase production. Uh, <laughs> This is, these are the oil, crude oil production in the same countries, which is essentially flat. So the production will need to come from elsewhere. So, um, some of it is, uh, will come from the US probably, but the majority from, majority from Middle East. And of course, that needs, that needs to be shipped. Um, so that could potentially be a major driver across the, across the decade. Uh, in the near term, uh, Especially for the crude tanker segment, we, we are still uh, not very optimistic. Um, by that I mean uh, the next quarter, uh, but we believe it might. We believe the fourth quarter this year might be good. The problem is that we're, we're just seeing not seeing enough tonnage uh, supplied. So uh, we, we are balancing and we are nearing pre-COVID levels in in terms of uh, supply of demand. The problem is that uh, if you look at what's happened to the fleet, and we believe also that, that we will reach pre-pandemic pre levels in the fourth quarter of this year with, with oil production or supply, but the problem is that since then the fleet has grown by 40 million deadweight tons. So you don't get the same uh, supply-demand dynamics in, in the shipping space, which obviously leads to lower utilization. But, but we are seeing light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you, the US is grabbing market shares, which is positive for, uh, for uh, ton mile demand, of course. Um, the US production is uh, nearing pre-pandemic levels, and the US exports of crude oil were at an all-time high in, um, in March. Uh, we're still seeing that OPEC Plus is lagging their production targets, and and we really don't 
They also have a target with 400,000 barrels extra by September, which we, we really don't uh, believe. But, uh, but, but anyway, we, we believe we have passed the trough uh, and, and that we are heading up. And also, uh, what's happening now is that um, the, the crude and liquid fuels inventories are extremely low. So we're uh, around here now. And the last time we were this low, we got a, a restocking cycle um, that lasted for, for two, two and a half years. And if, if the same thing is going to happen now, uh, which we believe, uh, the, the world re needs to restock their inventories and also uh, fill up the uh, st strategic reserves, that could be a massive boost for, for demand going forward. Uh, the same for, for this segment. We see a record low order book. I think we're going to, we, we need to go back to 1996 to see uh, the same numbers in relative terms. It's currently hovering around 8.5%. And uh, the year 2000, if we're looking at absolute terms. Since then, the fleet has more than doubled. Um, so that's, that's extremely low. So if we plug these inputs into our model, uh, we get um, a slight dip in utilization. It, it looks worse than it is because I've, I've rounded it to make it look nicer. Uh, I believe um, around 84 are marginally worse next year than this year. And it's, uh, and it's mainly this quarter that's driving it, uh, the second quarter because of the, the disruptions in Ukraine and, and uh, Russia. But, but we believe that by the end of 2024, we can, uh, we can approach 89% utilization in the oil, oil tanker space. Um, again, that, uh, that would imply five-year-old VLCC values approaching uh, 100 million, uh, based on like, historical correlations. And if we plug that into our uh, share index model, uh, we could s potentially see our oil tanker share index rise by 86% by, uh, by the year end of 2024. So we believe, definitely believe that this is the time to position yourself in the oil tanker space. Um, yeah. Uh, also you can see here where we are uh, at our NAV and share index um, uh, for, for dry, and dry bulk and, uh, and oil tankers. So I believe we hosted a webinar around, I don't speak, but yeah, so this is probably January, February of 2021, where we said, okay, we have, this is, yeah, dry bulk. So we hosted the dry bulk webinar where we said that uh, we believe we're, we're going to see a massive upside over the next year. And since then, um, the share and NAV index has gone up by, yeah, you can, you can see the slide. Now uh, we we are uh, we believe we we'll, we might see some of the same effects in, in the oil tanker space. Uh, so this is just underlying what I'm saying. Uh, we believe that this uh, across the next six to six months to maybe a year is the time to position yourself. Okay, so I'm, I'm gonna just end by uh, by giving you some of our top picks. We we cover a lot of equities. Um, in addition to dry bulk uh, and uh, oil tankers, we also cover for cover LNG and LPG shipping. So uh, for uh, for the dry bulk space, I think my favorite stocks at the moment are 2020 bulkers. They have a really modern fleet of 
of new custom access, uh, and the same could be said about Okeanis in the, in the oil tanker space, which has uh, modern VLCCs and Suez Maxis. Um, I also like to do a, a small ad for, um, for my former colleague, uh, Joachim Hannestal, who's and uh, the Cleves Shipping Fund that started up in uh, October and has had a 61% compound annual growth rate since then. So this is um, perhaps a good opportunity. Uh, he's going to launch an international tranche uh, in May or June, I believe. Uh, right now it's a Norwegian structure only, but this could be a great opportunity to invest in the shipping space if you're, if you're not already. Uh, so again, to recap, um, we believe that the prolonged period of underinvestment could lead this to be one of the dec best decades for shipping in a long time. For dry bulk, uh, we see very strong fundamentals, a record low order book, and, and further upside ahead. And uh, for oil tankers, we believe, um, we believe uh, in, in very improving uh, market conditions going forward. So that's it for me. And um, you can sign up if you'd like to read our research. You can sim sign up at uh, cleaves.no. It's free of charge. And we, uh, when we publish weekly reports and company reports and, and segment reports and, and other stuff like that. So thank you. <laughs>